Welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key drivers and trends in livestock, grain and wool markets. I'm Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening in. And coming up today, we have our resident analyst here at Mercado, Angus Brown, with me to dive into some of the shifts we're seeing in livestock particularly grain-fed cattle supply and sheep breeding choices this season between merino joinings and meat breeds. We also touch a bit on price expectations for cattle over the next few months as supply ramps up, always a big question at this time of year. But before we get stuck into today, an honourable mention is definitely needed for the WA livestock market, which is firing on all cylinders and making up for lost time at the moment. The Western Young Cattle Indicator ended yesterday at 937 cents per kilo carcass weight, and that's 35% higher than the same time last year. So quite amazing what just a bit of rain can do. Our sponsor for this week's episode is Currawira Merinos. For the last 20 years, they've been using leading performance testing genetics to produce ASBVs. And their modern merino genetics are at the cutting edge of the industry. So thanks to Karawira for your support and we'll get into today's conversation. It's a pleasure having you on the podcast today, Angus, to chat through what we're seeing in livestock markets at the moment and a few other things that you've been writing about on Mercado lately for our subscribers. But how's it all going in Hamilton? What have the first few weeks of autumn been like there? Um, well, it's actually got a bit dry after a uh, very wet spring, late spring and, and summer. Um, February was pretty dry and it's been, I mean, dry this week. So not unusual for this time of year, but yeah, nice early break. It'd be great, but we'll just have to wait and see. Got our fingers crossed for it. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, we might as well start on the cattle market today, probably as good a place as any. Um, this week we saw young cattle prices firmed up a bit, which is good news. But one of the things that you took a look at recently was the lot feeding market. And there was a bit of a school of thought that the strong supply of finished cattle from lot feeders through to processes over the last three years or so, it might have dried up a bit because there's so much more grass around. But can you tell us a bit about what you found in those latest numbers? Yeah, so the lot feeding uh, survey to the end of December was released, uh, the results were released um, oh, back two, three or four weeks ago, and they actually managed to stay above a million head on feed, which was a little bit surprising given the, as you say, the amount of grass around and and the the push to restock and the demand from, from restockers for light cattle or young cattle is pretty strong, but the lot feeders did manage to hold their own and actually lifted the numbers of cattle on feed through uh, you know, higher placements to an extent, but also they didn't sell as many. So we saw the um, number of cattle on feed, yeah, managed to stay above a million head at, at 1.048 million. So, so um, yeah, a million head still a lot of cattle on feed for, for Australia. So obviously that, that demand for grain-fed beef is still there. So it's dragging, um, dragging that beef, those cattle through the feedlots. Yeah, I mean, certainly does point to strong demand for those feeders. And it does look like there's been a bit of a shift towards using grain to finish cattle. Is that something that you think is likely to stick around? Oh, I think it probably will now. The amount of um, feedlot space that's available and, uh, you know, the vertically integrated companies who like that um, surety of supply of having 
having cattle on feed, um, especially at a time like this when when supply off grass is very hard to get um, and cow numbers, you know, cow sales are low and you know, just trying to fill kill chains. I think, yeah, even if they've got tight margins, they're probably going to continue to, to push cattle through feedlots just because of that, you know, it helps their business with the surety of supply. Yeah, it's an important thing at the moment. And what about price for those feeder cattle? Has it been holding? Is it still doing well? Oh, it's very strong. It's been, I mean, in strong in a relative sense, it's up about 10% on this time last year, which is good and, re- you know, close to record prices. But um, compared to young cattle, you know, light cattle, um, your 250, 300 kilo ones, which are making, you know, 600 cents, you know, $4.40, $4.50 doesn't sound that great. But, um, yeah, for those selling feeders, it is a record price. But if you're trying to buy them back in now, then then there's the um, – your margin's pretty tight on that front. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it would be squeezing them quite a lot. And um, it feels like we've been sort of asking the same question for about a, a year now, Angus, and that's how long the cattle prices can last at these levels and – you did some analysis recently on this, looking at the seasonality in cattle supply and the price impact on that. So what supply trend do we typically see as we head into winter? So you tend to get a, a bit of a spike in cattle supply in May. Um, yeah, it's sort of a bit um, counterintuitive to think that yeah, May is going to be a high cattle supply month, but it's generally on average it's a high slaughter month of the year um, and that's a lot of that's due to cows uh, females coming through the market cull females but also um, uh, as cattle are weaned in the northern areas especially in northern New South Wales and um, there's also quite a few young cattle coming through at that time of year so generally we see that push prices down in um, sort of late April May uh, whether we see it this year or not remains to be seen but probably a lot depends on the autumn break in those southern regions and, and maintaining that grass supply. Um, definitely won't be as many cows on the market this May, this um, this autumn and early winter. But, uh, yeah, compared to now, maybe a few more. Maybe we'll see, you know, the prices ease a little bit. I don't don't expect it's going to be huge, but oh, there's going to be a lot of relief for processes. But I think, you know, prices could come off a bit sort of pre-winter. Yeah, you'd think with the herd at these sort of extreme lows and prices at extreme high, it um, might not be as dramatic a, a fall as what we're used to seeing when we hit that peak slaughter in May. Yeah, and having said that, the fall, I mean, compared to what the sort of variation or volatility we've seen recently, the fall's not huge. I think it's the average fall over the last five years has been 4% from April to May, so, um, you know, and around that from March to May, so... 4% off current prices is still a very high price. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just ran our percentiles analysis this week on Mercado across all the commodities and to see some of those cattle indicators in, you know, 95 to 100% percentile bracket just is a sign of the incredible times for livestock. And, and that was true across a lot of the lamb and sheep categories as well and, even the wool market, actually, we've seen a strong recovery over the last few months there. And I'm going to switch topics a bit here, Angus, but with land prices where they are now and 
Do you think that Wool has actually done enough to see more Merino ewes join back into Merino rams for those winter and springtime lambs this season? Yeah, that's a, a good question. It's sort of, and the analysis I did sort of didn't didn't really answer it for me either. But I don't think um, I don't think it has. I I think the fall in wool prices last um, last year would have seen a lot of producers. It might have been the final straw for some of them that were left, and and those that swung back into merinos. You know, we did see a bit of a swing back into merinos last uh, year, um, last the first half of last year. And I'd say, um, you know, just looking at demand for terminal rams and these sorts of things this year, we might see a few going back the other way and joining, you know, not not getting rid of their merino flocks, but you know, joining those excess sheep to excess used to terminals again and going back the other way. Um, given that, you know, I think that the measure we were looking at was the wool wool price, the 90 MPG to the lamb price of the Esley. And the, uh, the wool price still isn't quite double the Esley, so the 19 MPG claim. So, you know, that's that's very low relative price for wool and high relative price for lambs, which is the sort of thing that sees people produce more lambs and less wool or less merinos to produce wool. Yeah, you'd be looking at those lamb prices, I'm sure, and, and, and wanting to get as many out as you can and, you know, in the, the longer term, um, that'll mean a bit more support for wool prices, hopefully, and continued support for um, breeding ewes, but might depress lamb values a little bit over the longer term. Yeah, it comes back to the question of, um, you know, next spring, summer, lamb supply. If we see a lot of um, terminals go over merinos, you know, those lambs you know, will be sold, Um spring and summer next year so you know might lift that supply i mean and this year was very tight so it's going to lift anyway but how much and and what it does to price is sort of you know the bit of an unknown yeah absolutely well thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today angus we know you're busy out in the yards today so i better get let you get back to it but thanks for coming on commodity conversations no problem olivia great to great to be on again thanks for listening in to today's episode For more of what we've spoken about today, you can head on over to the Mercado website and check out our latest analysis and market commentary, or give the team a call to chat about our bespoke reporting and risk management services. Thanks for listening to Commodity Conversations, audio production by David Myers.